0: And uh, let me get myself fixed up here while, while my cough drop uh, dissolves. Uh, it has been a fun day here today. Uh, and I say fun, it's been enjoyable. I mean, we have just had a, um, a, just a wonderful time, a good lunch today. And um, I've, I've even enjoyed the cringes on people's faces when I told, told them what I had for lunch today. Yeah, I see you back there. How many of how many of you like liver and onions? Oh, listen! All you good people, raise your hand again. How how many of you like liver and onions? Amen. And uh, my my wife, uh, she. Hated liver and onions. She 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 would not eat liver and onions. Um, let me get empty my pocket. Here. Oh. Oh. Met my mother and uh, and uh, had my mom's liver and onions. And uh, she doesn't like them everywhere, but she loved my mom's liver and onions. And uh, I'm looking for Brother Holloway or one. Oh, oh back here. Uh, what's the name of that place again? Frank and Linda's. Uh, they can pay me later for the advertisement, but, but uh, they have really good liver and onions. And so, um, anyway, I love that and it's, it has just been a, a great day. Uh, Patty and I love coming here, and uh, we uh, we have known uh, Brother um, Joe and Wendy uh, for many years. Uh, when he was pastoring, when he was a student, when they were students at the college, <clears throat> and then um, when um, he was pastoring down in um, Palatka, I believe, and and then been able to connect with them still while while they were up, up here, since they've been up here. And uh, Patty and Wendy actually work together at uh, the same facility. Uh, Patty's uh, a registered nurse, retired except for what she does on the mission field. <clears throat> but um, am I loud? Seems, seems like I'm really, can we just turn me down just a little bit? Uh, I see some of you saying, he's too loud. <laughs> but... Um, but anyway, we, we love this church. We love Brother Joe and Wendy, and it's always always a joy to be able to come here. And um, one of our uh, other supporting churches is the uh, Calvary Baptist Church of McIntyre, Georgia. And I'm sure y'all know the pastor there, and uh, Brother Brower and uh, Brother, be- Brother Betty. Uh, I'm ready for the message tonight, can you tell? <laughs> It's not the liver and onions, and I had water and lemon to drink. So, anyway, but everything about this place just has wonderful memories. And I was I was just uh, speaking to someone in the hall in the. Well, boy, I'm not sure I need to preach tonight. in the aisle there a while ago, uh, and it said that she has prayed for Emma Jane ever since she was born, and uh, and it's prayers that have. Uh, brought her from one pound two ounces to now over 20 pounds and so uh she is a a a handful she's more than a handful and uh, patty had her all day friday and friday was was patty's birthday and um i fixed her a nice dinner a birthday dinner she comes home from, from keeping emma and she says, I can't help it, I've got to go to bed. <laughs> she went to bed on her birthday. And I ate both the steaks, so I didn't, I didn't. Anyway, well, let me stop all the foolishness now. And again, thank you for everything today. You, you, you folks are, are truly a blessing. Um, have you turned to the, <clears throat> excuse me, the book of James, James tonight. For those of you that don't like liver and onions, that's towards the end of the Old Testament. A New Testament. (laughs) Oh, Lord help. Uh, Mercy. James chapter 1, and uh, beginning in verse 1, and we'll read four verses here. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ... "...to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting." And a little bit more is said about those twelve tribes over in Acts chapter 8. You don't have to turn there, but in Acts chapter 8, um, Stephen had just been martyred in chapter 7. And chapter 8 begins with Paul giving his consent uh, to the stoning of, of Stephen. Of course, at that time, Paul was Saul. And it says that Saul was consenting unto his death. That's the death of Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, uh, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house, and hailing men and women, uh, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And that's where we pick up here in James chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Our Father, again, we are so thankful for the good day we've had today. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, the good group that has come out tonight and the fellowship now that we can have together uh, in your Word and with each other. So, Father, tonight I pray that you would bless everything about this service. I pray that you would please help me as I handle your Word tonight. Give me wisdom. Give me the right words to say. And, Father, may you be uplifted and glorified. May your people be edified, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Start off with something really spiritual, okay? I mean really deep. How many of you like Krispy Kreme donuts? Well, I definitely have more hands than liver and onions. But when you, when, when you go by one, in, is there one nearby? Less than 10 minutes from our house in Jacksonville. That is not a good thing. People will line up for hours sometime to get their sweet delights there at Krispy Kreme. And uh, can I just uh, share with you uh, the process that those little blessings go through? Uh, First, the little balls of dough are shot through with a piercing blast of air, creating a hole. Then they go into the proof box. Where they ride up and down an elevator in an atmosphere of heat and humidity. This causes the dough to rise. After this, they are dropped into hot oil and boiled thoroughly. After surviving this ordeal, the donuts, and oh, here's the best part. After surviving this ordeal, the donuts pass through a cascading waterfall of icing. Can I ask you a question? Does anyone here uh, feel like a Krispy Kreme donut sometimes? I mean, uh, you, you feel like uh, you've uh, been hit uh, with a blast of air. You feel like you've been boiled in a, in a case of oil. Um, well, we need to remember that these experiences, Proceed the sweet delights that we enjoy when we get one of those little donuts. Yeah, they go through a lot, but the sweetness that comes from the process that I just described to you um, is is a great thing, is it not? Uh, let me just say this: None of us look forward to trials. None of us look forward to hardship. None of us love hardship, but we, without the hardships that we go through in life, we would not be able to enjoy the sweet fruit of maturity that James is talking about here in these verses that we have read this morning. Billy Graham this evening. Billy Graham said, "Mountaintops are for views and inspiration, but fruit." is grown in the valleys. Today, this evening, we're going to be looking at the sweet fruit that can come from the bitter times that you and I experience in life. James introduces the letter. We've already seen that, and James is the author. He refers to himself as a servant of God. Paul often did that. He referred to himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. And... Most likely, James is the half-brother of our Lord Jesus. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 3, when Jesus was being rejected by his own townspeople, we read this verse, "...is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters with us? And they were offended at him, it says." James was a leader of the early church in Jerusalem, where we read about a while ago in the book of Acts. He was an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 7, after that he was seen of James and then of all the apostles. Now regarding the readers that we've read here, and also in Acts uh, chapter 4, he refers to them as the twelve tribes that were scattered abroad. These were churches of prominently, uh, predominantly Jewish character, Christians who scattered among the Gentile nations. When we read about them, his letter, James here, deals with a variety of subjects. And if you read the book of James, you will find a variety of subjects that can help you and I live a godly life. Christian life. James is a fantastic book, and I just want to share two thoughts with you tonight, a two-point message. You like two-point messages? I won't tell you about all the subpoints right now, but, uh, but two things that I think we can see in, in these verses that we've read tonight, two things. The first is a proper attitude toward trials. We see that in verse 2 where it says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations or many temptations. What are trials? The term is used to speak of afflictions and adversities that we encounter in life. We all know that these trials can be of various kinds. They can be of about an illness, they can be a financial uh, reversi, uh, uh, problems at work, persecution for our faith. Could could be a number of things. But James is saying, consider it, count it all joy. Now we've got to note that how this is important here, because when it says consider or count it all joy, uh, he's not saying part joy, uh, he's, or part something else. He is talking about a pure joy here. Now, that's important for us to see. It seems quite natural for our attitude toward trials, or unnatural for our attitude toward trials, not to be pure joy. However, we need to understand that what James is saying here, he is not giving us, he's not throwing out some suggestion. He is giving us a biblical command. He is saying that we need to be people who have an attitude of joy toward trials. Now you're sitting here and you might say, you mean I jump for joy when you fill in the blank there? You mean I jump for joy when this happens? Um, You say, you mean I do that? You're saying they'll call for the guys with the white coats if I do that. Nobody is going to want to jump for joy over trials and afflictions in their life. But that's why we've got to be careful what uh, James is trying to say here and understand what James is calling for when he says to count it all joy, count it pure joy when you go through trials and and, and hardships in life. He's not suggesting some kind of enjoyment of pain type of happiness. Uh, In the hurts and losses of life, He's not saying that we are to enjoy being sick. He's not saying that we're to enjoy and jump for joy when a loved one passes away, or you get laid off from a job, or you're persecuted in some way. And, uh, this is not something, weird kind of denial that life often hurts, because life does hurt. I think we all know that tonight. Life hurts We do suffer. James is not suggesting that we manufacture some kind of worldly, phony happiness about our troubles. People will see through that. And you won't last long. And you and I won't last long through that. So what is James suggesting? What is not suggesting? What is he saying that we need to understand here about our trials and the temptations that we go through in life? He's saying this there is a reason for you and I to go through trials and problems in our life. It's not being happy about the trouble, it's about being happy or joyful about what the trouble produces. You get that? That's the important aspect of what James is trying to get across to us uh, through his letter here. It's enjoying, here the donuts are again. It's enjoying the sweet fruit produced only by bitter, difficult times. And that's what God wants to happen in your life and in my life. So we see that's the proper attitude toward trials. But my second point is this. The powerful outcome of our trials. And James shows us that as well in in verses 3 and 4. Knowing this, "...that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing." He says, count it all joy, consider it all joy, because you know. He's saying, knowing this, know what? We know that the testing of our faith produces patience and perseverance, not failure. God doesn't want to see you and I fail. Uh, we, we hear, I think I alluded this morning to an old commercial about the little lady that had fallen in her kitchen. And she's, uh, she's crying, uh, help me, I have fallen and I can't get up. Well, you know, there's often times when we fall and we fail in our Christian life. And there are a lot of people that are at a hitching post in their life because they have failed in some way and they feel like they have or they know that they have displeased God. Can I just remind you of this tonight as as we think about what James is talking about here, knowing this, knowing that our trials produce patience. It's when you and I have the willingness to trust God and understand that we are going to fall. There are going to be times when we're going to fail. And you are not a failure when you fall. You're only a failure when you don't get back up. And you allow God to help you through the trial and the problem that you're going through uh, in in life. Uh, The testing of our faith. Trials test faith. Not a test to find if faith is there. It is a trial to test to strengthen our faith. That's what our trials are about. That's what uh, Peter said in 1 Peter 1 7. That the trial of your faith being more precious than, <coughs> excuse me, dealing with a little bit of a throat problem this afternoon. That the trial of your faith being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So the word is used here, tried, or this thing of trying, is used to describe uh, the process of refining silver. And if you know anything about the refining of silver or a fine metal, it is put in flames. It's put in flames to burn off what? impurities. It's put in flames to burn off impurities and strengthen, not destroy, but strengthen the quality of the silver. And that has got to resonate with us as believers in knowing that God does not test us to destroy us. He tests us to strengthen us and to purify us. Testing leads to patience, perseverance, The Greek term here means to abide under. Now, what are we dealing with there? It refers to the ability to bear up under a burden. And boy, this is so precious here regarding what Jesus is ready to do in your life and my life when we go through a trial. The Greek meaning here, to abide under, it refers to the ability to bear up under a burden. It is saying The power of the Christian life is not in ourselves. It's in Jesus Christ. He is our strength. When we refer to the ability to bear up under a burden, I don't have that ability. And neither do you. But Jesus, who is our strength, gives us the ability to bear up under heavy burdens and trials that we face in life. David said in Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? It's the Lord who is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? I love this little parable of endurance. It seems that uh, a farmer uh, had an old dog, and the old dog fell into the farmer's well. And after considering the situation, the farmer uh, decided that neither the dog nor the well were worth saving. So he decided to bury the old dog and put him out of his misery. When the farmer began shoveling, the dog was hysterical. But as the farmer kept shoveling and the dirt hit his back, a thought struck the old dog. Each time a shovel full of dirt hit his back the dog would shake it off, shake off the dirt, and step up. So blow after blow, the dog would shake it off, and he'd step up. No matter how painful those shovels of dirt were, the old dog fought panic. He just kept shaking it off and stepping up. up. Finally, the dog, battered and exhausted, stepped triumphantly over the wall of that well. What he thought would bury him actually benefited him because of the way he had handled his adversity. Now that's deep, isn't it? But perseverance is the ability to shake it off and step up when the load and trials of life are dumped on you and dumped on me. We need to understand that uh, Hebrews chapter 12 Verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Notice the next words. Let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And you remember what I said a while ago, that when we face trials in life, and we deal with this thing of ability to face those trials in life, and that the ability, the ability is not in us to make it through those trials. We don't have that ability. But the writer of Hebrews went on to say, let us lay aside everything else that's going to so easily beset us. And in the next verse he says, we need to look to Jesus. He says, "...looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God." Patience, perseverance, produces maturity. The Greek term is teleon. It speaks of something that has reached its inti- intended end Here it refers to the maturity and the perseverance that is produced uh, when a believer trusts Christ to be what he is not to get him through the trials and the difficulties in life. And we've got to understand, folks, this is not something that happens instantaneously. It is a process. It's a process implied here. Trials create perseverance. And the perseverance creates maturity. And so we see that this is not an automatic thing. It takes time. Uh, I think everyone here can probably think of a trial that you've gone through. Every one of us has gone through numerous trials in life. And I ask you the question, would you like to go through that trial again? Well, you'd probably say, no, thank you. I don't think I would want to do that. But if I ask you the question this way, would, are you grateful for that difficulty or what that difficulty accomplished in your life? That's how we have got to look at our trials. You see, uh, there are trials and lessons that we have gone through in life, character being developed, that really we would not want to trade for anything. And that is what James is talking about here in this passage. That is why we consider it all joy. We consider it all joy because we know that when tough times come, the end result is going to be perseverance and maturity in our life. And perseverance and maturity please God. And we ought to want to please Him. To please Him in every way that we possibly can. You know, there are essential traits for the Christian life. And the only way to get them, oftentimes, is through hard trials. Going through difficult times in life. The mature Christian life is the sweet fruit of rough times. Of bitter times. I read the story... Uh, of John Eldridge, who tells the story of a Scottish discus thrower from the nineteenth century, he lived days before professional trainers and developed his skills alone in the Highlands. He made his own discus from the description he read in a book. What he didn't know was that the uh the discus that was used in the in the athletic events was made of wood with an outer rim of iron. His discus he made was of pure metal, four times heavier than the ones used by his would-be challengers. This committed Scotsman trained day after day, laboring under the burden of extra weight. He marked the record distance, kept working until he could throw that far. Of course, when he arrived at the competition, he was handed the official wooden discus and he threw it like a tea saucer. Now, when you, when you read and you hear about a story like that, this man ended up setting new records for many years. None of his competitors could touch him. As Eldridge, the writer, reflected on this story, he said, So that's how you do it. You train under a great burden. And you know that's how God works in our lives, is it not? We train under a great burden. It hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. At times it's unpleasant. Sometimes we despair. Sometimes we cry. Sometimes we're angry at that burden. But folks, what we've got to take to heart tonight is that We must always have that deep sense of joy that James is talking about here in in this passage. Because of what? Because the burden is producing patience. It's producing perseverance. And perseverance is producing maturity in the life of the believer. None of these virtues... So prized by God, would ever be ours without the burden. Would ever be ours without the trial that we have to go through in life. That's why Paul. That's why James says, "Count it all joy." So I'm sure, with a crowd this size tonight, there are people with some real burdens, and if if you don't remember anything else that I've said out of this passage tonight and it's, it's been a, uh, kind of rough at times I don't feel like I'm all there this evening if there's nothing you take nothing else you take with you tonight from this message out of James 1 1 through 4 can it be just the story of that old dog and when the trials of life Throw shovel after shovel load of dirt on you. With God's help, God help us to shake it off and to step up with the strength that He only can give us. And we, in turn, have opportunity to be a testimony for Him before a world that needs to see how we count our trials with all joy. Our Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the promises of your word. And Father, even though it's hard to say, even hard to preach at times, it's certainly hard to live at times. Father, help us to count it all joy when we face trials. Help us to remember the old farmer's dog that when life heaps shovel load after shovel load of trial and problems on us, with your strength, help us. As we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, as we look to him, may we shake it off and step up for your glory and enjoy the sweetness that bitterness can bring in our life. And Father, we'll thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. It's been a joy to be here with you tonight. Uh, we are so thankful for every opportunity that God gives us to come to, to Rinkin. And uh, I pray that by our being here today that, that uh, God has uh, done something in your life tonight. He has sure blessed us. Anything else you wanted to say this evening? Um, all good. So it's a joy to be here. And God bless all of you that are involved and are going to the wilds. I love camps. Don't like them like I used to. But uh, I love camps. And uh, and certainly the wilds is a fantastic camp uh, to, uh, to go to. I actually had... Um, um, geritol flashback here um uh ken hay uh founder of the wilds i I had him as a professor in college and uh, that goes back a few years uh but god bless you all and god bless those young people going to camp and uh, god bless all you that like liver and onions (laughs)